You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back, everybody. This time for another Sooner Scoop podcast. Is uh, I'm joined by Joe Duvall and Eddie Radosovich for another exciting episode of the podcast that has yet to be named. I think we're thinking of some things, but we're not going to throw anything out there. We don't want to. We don't want to get the the. The, the fervor started, people trying to name the show and get it all confused. But guys, uh, this is kind of our post-draft broadcast that, that uh, we put together here. Uh, going to talk a little bit about everything that went on in the NFL draft, the guys that were taken, uh, some of the free agent signings, uh, the drama with Eric Stryker. Uh, there's some, some football stuff to talk about as well. Uh, the first game with Houston's getting a little bit of... Uh, Excitement around it based on some comments coming out of Houston. Uh, there's also some basketball stuff to talk about. Uh, Joe, of course, uh, covers a lot of our basketball stuff for us. And Eddie, Eddie too, but uh, uh, suspension on the basketball team for us to talk about. But uh, guys, I guess we'll, we'll start things off with the first Sooner that was taken in the draft. And uh, that was uh, one Sterling Shepard, who is uh, now a member of the New York Giants. It's been great. I mean, got to speak to Odell and Baker a little bit. Uh, saw them whenever they walked past and then spoke to Eli a little bit. So excited to be here. And, you know, they're just telling me get in the playbook pretty much. The Giants fans, big plays. I mean, that's what I say to everybody. Uh, big plays coming. and I can't wait to get the season started. And guys, uh, they, they were able to have some press conferences. Uh, and of course, you get drafted that high, and they, they have press conferences for you individually. And uh, I want to jump to some audio real quick here. One of the clips that we have is uh, the New York Giants head coach, Ben McAdoo, talking about Sterling Shepard uh, and uh, what he sees from him bringing to uh, the organization. Uh, got a great pick tonight, Sterling Shepard. Tremendous young man, high character. Uh, plays the game the right way, plays the game the way it should be played. Um, feisty player, uh, can separate both inside and outside. Strong hands, he'll block you, and uh, we're fortunate to have him. Fortunate uh, he was on the board where he was. Also, uh, the uh, vice president of player evaluation, Mark Ross, uh, talked a little bit about Sterling in his press conference as well. Some guy named Odell Beckham just tweeted, he stole one. Um, do, you, um, do you see him augmenting, you know, really... Helping a guy like Odell really reach maybe a certain other level? I hope so. <laughs> you know, you get the more play playmakers you have around. A guy like Odell, so you want to double Odell? Okay, this guy's going to this guy's gonna kill you. Vic's healthy. That's it's a nice scenario for us. All right, so guys, uh, Eddie, we'll start with you. Uh, Sterling Shepard, no surprise, the first guy taken to the draft. Thought maybe... Tapper might sneak in there, but uh, it couldn't probably be a better position for Sterling Shepard. No, no. He, he turned out to uh, 
to fall right into a, a perfect situation for him, and especially with uh, the veteran guys around him and uh, Victor Cruz, ODB, or Odell Beckham. It's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think uh, Matthew Barry from ESPN already has him at number two in the wide receiver rookie uh, fantasy, fantasy ranking. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a guy that I think plays a lot. He's going to be a guy that is on a good team, a good franchise. Uh, I guess it's a little interesting just in that he's not going to be playing for uh, – for um, Tom Coughlin, he's going to have to, I guess, kind of usher in the McAdoo era with uh, with the head, with a new head coach. But uh, it, you know, I I think it turns out to be a really good situation for Sterling. And uh, you know, just on a personal note, having watched Sterling from the time he was a, I think a, I was at his first game as a junior, his junior year at Heritage Hall, uh, and uh, he ran back the opening kickoff. And then for him to uh, come to Oklahoma and did what he uh, what he did the last four years was really really impressive he's been so good i and i think the the one thing that you uh you you find out about sterling is just how competitive he is and uh i think it was one of their uh, it was i forget if it was their gm or uh, director of football ops that said uh if you want to learn anything about sterling shepherd just turn on the second half of the tennessee game yeah last year. yeah it was mark ross that, that said that actually uh had that clip and uh, maybe i can pull that up here but um it, it's it's really cool too eddie because i mean like you said you covered him from the very beginning and you think about how strange it is. He is now in the NFL, and uh, he's in the NFL, and you have uh, Barry Sanders, who was his teammate, was a year older, right? Uh, or were they the same age? Same, they were the same, same class. Yeah. Same, oh, same, that's same right, class. but he was hurt that one year, so it made it look like he wasn't there. Um, but, uh, I mean, same class. Now he's transferring, starting his career over at Oklahoma State. And uh, he's mo- and now Sterling's moved on to the to the uh, New York Giants. Yeah, it, it's really wild. I I remember meeting up with a couple of the Heritage Hall coaches when we were down in San Antonio for the uh, U.S. Army All American Game. They had just been in uh, Orlando with uh, Sterling when he won the. Uh, Oh, was it was it the skills competition at the Under Armour game? At the Under Armour games, yeah. And uh, they had just they had just flown in from San Antonio, and we were sitting around and kind of wondering how he was going to fit into the Oklahoma offense. Was he going to be able to play, or uh, was he able to going to be a, an immediate guy? And you know, I think that at the time that we all kind of thought that he would. I I definitely. Uh, they might have thought he was going to do more than I was. I did. I, I didn't really know how he was going to fit in after watching him uh, just dominate three A uh, football for the Chargers. But uh, it's uh, it's it's a great situation. I don't think that it it could have happened to a better person either. I think that uh, what you see is kind of what you get with Sterling. He is uh, one of the the better dudes to come through Norman. Yeah, and if you remember that recruitment, uh, Barry Sanders Jr. was considered the more highly rated prospect coming out of Heritage Hall throughout that recruitment. I mean, Sterling was highly ranked. He was in the Rivals 250, but Barry Sanders Jr. was seen as the jewel Mm -hmm. when ESPN came through town and did a televised one of their games. Yeah, I remember that. They hyped up Barry Sanders Jr. He was the guy. And then if you remember watching that game, I think it was Luganville was on the call, and he he said, man, that Sterling Shepard kid. He would keep making plays, you know, that Shepherd kid. And I think by the end of the end of the game, Luke and Bill had realized, oh no, that's the star of this team. And I think uh, Shepherd now has proven to be the guy to come out of there that uh, is the best NFL prospect, best college player. And now that he is in the NFL, you have to love that situation with Ben McAdoo, who was the offensive coordinator in New York before taking over. And that's kind of why they made that hire. If you remember, Tampa Bay did something similar with Dirk Cutter. It's the new trend to get these QB gurus, keep them there. And so that's a great situation for Sterling to have an offensive minded coach who has had Eli Manning throwing for 4,400 yards the last two years. He had his highest QB rating last year and he has ODB on the other side. Now Sterling Shepard does to take double teams. 
it can't really get any better than that. And they lost their number two receiver last year, Reuben Randall, to the Eagles. So, I mean, what more can you ask for for Sterling Shepard? Yeah, it's a great position. And, and having Eli Manning, I mean, that's immeasurable in terms of, of how big that is for, for a receiver. I mean, think if you go into Denver and you're a receiver right now and you're, you're messing with rookies or... Paxton Lynch. Or uh, possibly sucky quarterbacks like Sanchez. So, it's, it's a great situation. Now, uh, second player drafted. Charles Tapper, really no surprise there. I, I was kind of like, well, maybe maybe somebody pulls something out and, and, and throws a Devontae Bond, and maybe some team maybe fell in love with him. But uh, Charles Tapper ended up being the second player taken on the day, uh, and uh, he got the call from Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys to uh, tell him that he was going to be uh, a, a part of uh, going to wear the star. Hey, Charles. Jerry doing? Jones with the Cowboys. How you doing? You're not going to have to come too far south to uh, leave that Norman, are you? No, sir. And we're glad to have you. We're drafting you. I'm definitely glad to be a Cowboy. All right, buddy. Well, you got, what I'm excited about is that uh, you're going to get some great coaching. you got your great defensive coordinator, great head coach here. So we're excited for you. Yes, sir. Come in here. You've had a great career, and uh, no reason for you not to extend it and get better when you get up here. We're proud of you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. That's all I need, Coach. Now, if you thought that that was kind of awkward, like it's just going to be awkward. I mean, those Jerry's just kind of. They, I think the Cowboys think that's cute to release those. I was getting ready to say, is that are they the only team in the uh, NFL that releases their owner talking to the player on the phone? All of those are so awkward. I mean, uh, let's uh, make some dreams come true. None of those are they didn't ask him for his to? glory hole. You have you have these like owners and coaches, and you know what? They're trying to sell their team and stuff, and these kids are surrounded by chaos. Those conversations couldn't be more. I don't know what to get out of those. Well, let's let's embrace the awkwardness because that's true. Here's Jason. That's true. Here's Jason Garrett talking oh, to no. Charles Dapper. You bet. Here's our head coach, Jason Garrett. Charles. Yes, sir. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much, folks. Hey, we're really excited to have you. I'm definitely. I definitely can't wait to be a cowboy. Can't wait to get down and start this journey. Good. You ready to get to work? Yes, sir. It's definitely going to be worth it. I promise you that. Good. Leon Letts it. had a great workout with you. Can't tell you how pumped we are to have you on our football team. I'm extremely pumped to be on the football team, sir. Great. Did he ask Something him if he was ready to Leon get to work? Let... Did he ask him if he was ready to get to work? What is he supposed to say? Well, you know. Nah. I'll be all right. It's what a good if... thing they don't let like Bob Stoops release those like when a kid After commits, commits to him. Yeah. Yeah. That would be it awesome. It would be just oh my gosh. awkward. <laughs> exactly. Texas tried doing that a while back, I think when the Longhorn Network first started. Oh, like they were televising when a kid would commit or they were with them when a kid yeah. would didn't, commit? Didn't Rollerson do something? Yes, where, Rollerson did yeah. do that. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, he was like in his uh, coach's office, wasn't he, at yeah. Salina? Yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. But of course, Matt could pull that off. So I wonder if they uh, televised when Rollerson announced that he's going to UCLA to finish his career. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Charles Tapper, uh, Cowboys need defensive help. Uh, it's a good move there. They're probably not going to resign, or they've said they're not going to resign Greg Hardy. Uh, I, I think the only thing for Tapper is just what's he going to weigh? You know, what's his weight going to be? Obviously, he, I guess they're going to start Friday in their mini camp, which is today, 
So uh, he'll be down in Dallas. But uh, Joe, I think it's a good move for for uh, Charles Tapper. Yeah, uh, in my uh, pre-draft article I did where I put out a best case kind of worst case scenario for each guy, uh, Tapper, his best case scenario I had is the Dallas Cowboys going into the draft. Uh, they needed defensive end help, especially when it looked like, and it's continuing to look even more like Greg Hardy is not coming back there. Um, they have Demarcus Lawrence on one side, who's only 24 years old. He had eight sacks last year. So you have Tapper, who comes in what, 22, 23 years old. You have a really young nucleus right there of, of two young pass rushers that are very athletic. Um, and I think in the fourth round, Jerry Jones, that gamble probably looked good. You know, Tapper's 270 plus pounds. He, he ran a 4.59, a 4.5 freaking nine at defensive end, 270 plus pounds. So in the fourth round to the Cowboys with the defensive end spot open across from Demarcus Lawrence. Oh, you fans got to love that, even if you're not a Cowboy fan. I almost fell out of my seat when I saw uh, Bill Jones, CBS 11 out of Dallas, said that, uh, or he tweeted about this last past week that uh, Stephen Jones told uh, Sears uh, XM NFL that Charles Tapper could be a starter by the uh, first game of the year when the Cowboys open uh, the season. And that just, it, it kind of surprises me kind of just in that uh, the, the rise that he made kind of what we talked about in the last podcast last week was the, how that Tapper is really, he, he kind of had a Jekyll and Hyde career. He was really, really good at times. And at other times he disappeared. So I think the thing that, that, that helps him more than anything is he spent a year with Dyron Reynolds. Yeah. So I, he's going to be a guy that understands that NFL way of coaching. And I think, you know, there was so much talk about, oh, he's not a high-energy guy, and he's not a motivate. he's not like Jackie Ship was, uh, where he gets in your face and stuff. But Charles Tapper responded really well to that type of coaching. So for me, that bodes really well for what his future can be playing for NFL coaches. Yeah, and to, to Eddie's point, uh, he, he did have these kind of lapses. I mean, basically his entire junior year was a lapse. And then even coming into his senior year, he started out, what was it, the first five, six games of the year? He didn't have a single sack, but then he had the stretch against Kansas, Iowa State, where he had, I think, had five, sacks, five sacks in those two games alone, and that's what, he had seven all year. So he has these moments where you see that ability flash through, and you feel like, okay, yeah, here's a guy that's going to be scary in the NFL, and then you kind of wonder where is he other times, mm-hmm. right, Eddie? Well, and I think I, I probably have forgotten a lot when we even talked to tapper is the fact that how long has he been playing football now it's only been a, oh yeah seven eight years i guess or how long has he really cared about playing football? yeah and really got good coaching insight and what and what to do and technical wise and things i mean yeah. he's but still no, I a think very it was his young junior player year when he, he started should, playing because he, he was wanting to be a basketball yeah. player he showed up at a rivals camp right just as a basketball player and just was pretty dominant i think is what happened and then they said oh, okay here's i think it was a junior at the time and then now you look at i can't imagine not playing a sport for the first 15 16 years of your life and then you know five years later you're professional that's just amazing well one of the guys that left early uh that i think a lot of people expected to happen it did happen was zach sanchez uh he goes off the board um i can't even remember what round what guys fifth round. Fifth first, round first pick of the fifth round first pick of the fifth round to the panthers uh he was the 141 month 141st pick overall <laughs> uh, my brain's not working already it's 141st pick overall to the panthers uh good news well here we go here's uh let's just give you a little taste take you back to uh, the other day when Zach Sanchez became a part of the NFL. This is Mike Rucker, former Pro Bowl defensive end. With the 41st pick 
in the 2016 NFL Draft. The Carolina Panthers select Zach Sanchez, DB, Oklahoma. And you know, guys, that was the not the not the first cornerback. Of course, we all know that they're trying to replace Josh Norman in the secondary. Uh, but the Carolina Panthers had already taken two other cornerbacks in the draft before they took Zach Sanchez. So he's really going to compete for a job when he goes to Carolina, Eddie. Yeah, and if you want a guy that can make some plays during training camp uh, that can really put himself into position to start, I would think Zach Sanchez would be the guy. But on the flip side, if you want a guy that could really hurt himself during uh, preseason training camp and uh, and get beat a lot, it could probably also be Zach Sanchez. I mean, I, he he might be the most interesting guy out of this whole group. I think Shepard is in a really good spot. Tapper, obviously, in a really good spot. Uh, but as you said, I mean, Sanchez is going to be going into a franchise that has a lot of depth, or I guess unproven talent uh, that he'll he'll need to play with and I think that uh, if I mean he he does go into a good situation though I think the good thing with all the guys that uh, were drafted by uh, uh, Oklahoma guys that were drafted was the fact that they all went to pretty good franchises they didn't get in go into any black holes like uh, the Los Angeles Rams aka the St. Louis Rams or anybody like that well and Joe you know you look at who was drafted James Bradbury was their second round pick 30 uh 30 31st pick in the second round, 62nd overall. Uh, he's a cornerback, a really good guy, but he's from Samford. So right. some possible developmental issues there. Daryl Worley from West Virginia. West Virginia. You know that's going to piss Zach Sanchez off that somebody else from the Big 12 got drafted above him. So, I I mean, it's not impossible to think that he could end up being the best cornerback when the season starts next year. And you can almost see the Panthers' strategy from afar, right? Okay, well, we lost Josh Norman. We have these picks in the middle round, second, third, fifth. Let's just see if we hit on one. You know, let's get a bundle of guys, have them come in. It's kind of the Minnesota Timberwolves guard strategy. Yeah, from just, a few years yeah. You, you draft Ricky Rubio, you draft Ty Lawson, you draft uh, Johnny Flynn from Syracuse. And you yeah, just who's going to be the John Flynn of this group? That's exactly right. <laughs> Zach, Zach Sanchez does not want to be Johnny Flynn. And, and you know what? I think he has a great opportunity there because they play a lot of zone. Zach Sanchez will do well in zone facing the quarterback. And he can play in nickel packages. And that's something where a rookie who's drafted not in the first couple rounds can really make an impact is in nickel and dime packages. And Zach Sanchez can do that. So uh, the Panthers, I think this is a, a running trend so far. Like Eddie said, is that's another good situation uh, for an OU guy to go into. And this doesn't always happen. I feel like sometimes you get a draft pick and you just can see a mile away that that's not going to work out. And these first three guys we've talked about, you can see potential for all three to work out where, where they're at. Well, I think for Zach, you know, the most impressive thing was what he did uh, building strength leading up to the draft. And, and yeah, it's going to be an issue with him, though. Size, shoulders, uh, you know, tackling. We've seen enough of Zach Sanchez. We've seen four years of Zach Sanchez. I mean, we, we, we know what to expect for three years. He'd, he'd been there for four. Um, it's I, He's going to have to prove himself first and foremost, that he's strong enough to play that position. I don't know if that means you know he can beef up a little bit more now that he's run his 40 and all that stuff, but um, the things that dogged him are the, the things that now really uh, get exposed at, at this next level. What did he end up doing the bench at? It was it was the second highest at the combine, wasn't it? It was more than Neil Cassatotti. Yeah, I, I think it was double <laughs> Neil Cassatotti. It was it was in the twenties. I, th- I want to say twenty three or something. It was either the f- number one cornerback or the number two, maybe. Yeah, I th- it and might nine, have been the number nine, one. Nineteen bench reps. Nineteen, which that's eighteen think, more than I could probably do. Yeah, and I think Neela did what twelve. Neela did twelve or fourteen. I can't remember. It wasn't Gosh, good. That's just so bad. 
All right. Well, the other guy drafted uh, Devontae Bond, and I, you know, I gave Dusty Dvorak a lot of credit on this. Uh, he was the guy back even last the spring before his his senior year, first guy to tell me, hey. Keep an eye on Devontae Bond. I think he's a draftable guy. I think he's a guy that might be one of the best players on this team. You see Ty Darlington goes to the mattresses for him all the time, uh, tweeting about this. And he told me when we talked, I think on I think it was after Pro Day, like, you know, he how much he wrecked he used the word he wrecked us in practice and and that he has a lot more left to go. But uh Devontae Bond, where are you going to go? You're going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer along with Gerald McCoy. With the 183rd pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Devontae Bond, linebacker, Oklahoma. So he was a six-round selection. Uh, he uh, was 183rd overall. And uh, Jason Licht, who is the uh, general manager for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, talked a little bit about uh, what Bond uh, brings. Devontae, um, Sam Linebacker, Oklahoma, heavy-handed, athletic, great kid. They're all really good kids. They're all um, athletic. I think they all got a really good chance of being Buccaneers for a while. That reminded me of like a Bob Stoops press conference. I listened to it like you try and have signing day and you ask him about a kid and he just goes into... Well, he's really good. They're all really good. Like, no, uh, just tell me about the guy I'm asking you about, dude. Always got to like the uh, the cliche. Uh, well, he's heavy-handed, good feet. I don't know. I didn't watch him. <laughs> that's that's what they ought to say. There's only so much you can say about a guy, though, before you eventually run out of attributes where you can talk about stuff. I, I will say this, and if I'd had more time, I'd cut it up, and we would have done a stupid kind of segment. But like listening to Sterling Shepard's press conferences with their general manager and their player personnel guy, like every question, somebody from New York is trying to trick them up to say something. Like one of the the New York guys was like, "So when you started day two, and eight other players were drafted before you took Sterling Shepard, are you telling me that you wouldn't have taken those eight players?" That you would have taken that Sterling Shepard was the guy you wanted when day two started. And he was like, Those are all good players. We wanted Sterling Shepard. I mean, it's just they do everything they just to don't try and trick. believe it either. Well, they just they I think they just want to write a headline like uh, you know, that they bungled the draft somehow or something. I don't under, I don't understand questions. I mean, there are questions that you have to ask where you know the answer. Like sometimes Joe, questions you, are things that you ask people when you want an answer. Right, but but what is that? What is that question? What answer do you expect him to say? Oh man, we really liked those eight guys. I can't. believe we had Sterling ninth, and then bam, 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 made it off the board. And I said, well, we got to settle for Sterling. No, like what is he gonna? What is he supposed to say? I mean, sometimes there are allegations, there are things that come up where you have to ask the question to hear the answer. But that is not one of them. Well, I mean, back to Devontae Bond. Uh, obviously, he's a guy that has a lot of uh, uh, punch in the run game. He can do some things dropping back into coverage. I mean, I remember the Tennessee game. Yeah. He made some really good plays dropping back into coverage. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that, he made, to he me... Made, he made a really good play at uh, on the goal line in Stillwater as well yes, in the first did. half. Yeah, and, and we also mentioned he didn't play in the Texas game a lot. Last year he had That's the, why they the lost. ankle. <laughs> That's why they That's lost. That's the exact reason. Not the fact that they didn't run the quarterback. <laughs> no, it was because Devontae Bond was out. 
So anyway, but you know, you guys jump in here, but he, I mean, I to me, he's a guy that has the highest ceiling out of all these guys that got drafted. He could end up being the guy in five years that has that's still playing in the NFL out of all these guys that that got drafted, and everybody's going to kind of be surprised. And uh, you know, I think it's just going to be one of those deals where everybody's going to say, you know, it, it really shouldn't be that big of a surprise. I remember uh, Ty Darlington after the uh, pro day down in Norman told you told both of us, Carrie, that. Uh, that he thought Devonte was just tapping into his mm-hmm. into his uh, potential, and uh, I think that when you look at him, he's a lot bigger. I think probably than people realize when you get up closer to him. Uh, I think he's definitely what they want Ricky DeBerry to be here next year. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, DeBerry and Bond do have that similar kind of big physical build, and the, the thing about Bond is. He's one of those guys where if you if you knew nothing else before, you just put all of these draft picks out into a field, and we're gonna we're gonna pick a game. You watch Devontae Bond move around at that size, you might be tempted to say, "I'm gonna take that guy first. Yeah. I mean, he's somebody when he you put him next to Eric Stryker. I mean, it's not even close the comparison of physical build and body size yeah. and all that stuff. And he still runs a four seven. I bet he could run a sub four seven on a better day. Um, so Devontae Bond's a guy that he was a JUCO guy. He was playing football late. He's You could tell he's just kind of picking it up as he goes. He struggled with some injury problems. There is a lot that has not bubbled above the surface yet with him. So, uh, he, he, And in Tampa Bay, that's a 4-3. It's not the 3-4 he's kind of been in, in in Norman. It's a more probably natural fit for him. And there's there's not that much he has to worry about in order to get into the two deep. Uh, Jeremiah Smith, or Jeremiah George, excuse me, from Iowa State is the guy that really has to compete for for a job. And Jeremiah George was a good player for Iowa State, but... Devonte Bond should uh, knock him out of the water athletically when he shows up. I did, I did not realize that he had this good of a game against uh, Tennessee. Two sacks, four fumble, and five tackles. I mean, that's you put that tape on, and I, I guess I'm you're sure, running quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that that's one of the tapes that they went back and looked at before they uh, drafted him. Well, and probably the story of the day, at least around here, was was Eric Stryker sitting there waiting. Probably it made it didn't probably it did make it worse that they had camera crews there for ESPN. <laughs> I saw those and I thought the first thing I thought was, oh man, take those, get those out of there. This is this is this has tragedy written all over it. It ended up being a really sweet moment when he addressed his family uh, toward the end of the draft when you knew it. I think there were five picks left, and he kind of conceded. Yeah, he kind of conceded and gave the speech to his family. Uh, but Eric Stryker is already back to being Eric Stryker. It hasn't affected him that much. I want to play you this clip. He was on with the Buffalo Bills have a radio show. I don't know if it's a radio show or podcast, uh, but this was from uh, buffalobills.com. This is Eric Stryker's first conversation, first time people hearing him in Buffalo, uh, and it's so Eric Stryker that you won't be surprised at all. I'm doing great. Welcome to Buffalo. When did you get in? Just this afternoon, huh? Yeah, I got in around uh, uh, one o'clock, and I, I had a I, I had a really rude uh, flight attendant. But you know, the people in Buffalo are so kind, man. It just it just cleared my mind. She really was being mean to me for no reason. But uh, you know, the, I got to hear the people in Buffalo are so nice, so kind. Oh wow! I'm just really happy to be here, and ready to start. Sounds like there's a story there, Eric. I'm not going to ask you what airline, but, <laughs> but what happened on the flight? What happened? Well, I know the lady was just, you know, I, I got up and um, I asked, you know, I used the bathroom. Yeah. And it, but the, the restroom didn't have any uh, napkins to dry your hands. Yeah. So I came out and she was like, sir, could you close the door? And I was like, excuse me, ma'am, like, there's no napkins. Sir, could you close the door? 
Okay, so I closed the door. <laughs> and I, obviously, we done dealt with many flight attendants out very nice. He just seemed to, her day just seemed to be going bad. Yeah. So then, after I kept, I, after twice I asked her, did I close the door? She said, sir, could you have a seat? And I was like, man, like, what the, you know, so I, I don't, I don't want to go back and forth. Like, I'm not the type of guy that, I'm just yeah. like, you know what, ma'am? I'm going to take the high road. I, ha- I have a, you know, I took a seat. She gave me my napkins, you know, and then, you know, I had nowhere to throw the napkins away when I was done with them. And by the time the flight was getting ready to take off, and I got up just to throw the napkins away in the bathroom. Excuse me, sir, you have to be in your seat. And I was like, what did I do to her? You know, but that's all right. You know, some, you know, you run into all kind of people. Yeah. You know, all kind of flight intensive. She must have just been having a bad day. Yeah. I don't. I did nothing against her, you know. I was being very patient. You yeah. know, I understood. But, you know, it's all good. That was the uh, Buffalo <laughs> Bills' John Murphy show. Um, I didn't have to listen to anything else. I mean, I, I can't imagine what he talked about for the next 20 minutes or however long it was, but that's typical Eric Stryker. He right hasn't there. changed. I mean, you knew every Wednesday... We were getting ready to, or I mean, a Tuesday that on defensive days during the season, we were getting ready to wait in there for Striker for a good fifteen to twenty he minutes. He was always the last person in of talking, because I don't want to say it was would interviewing, but yeah. it was it was more talking. Yeah, it really was just what do you want to talk about today? Yeah, sometimes you feel like these guys. Uh, they see the media, the press is uh, all right. Well, we got to get through this. These are, you know, it's more of like a standoffish. Let me, but he kind of saw, you know, he, he saw everybody talk to his people. You know, he had an opportunity to have a conversation and everything he did, he was having fun. And even in that conversation, I'd love that he's just being himself. You know, he had a story to tell and he was going to tell it. He didn't, that guy probably wanted to talk about Buffalo Bills football or whatever. And Eric didn't care. He had a, he was, he had a flight attendant that he had a bad experience with and he was going to open up the interview, letting the guy know. I think that's just cool. I like that stuff. Hopefully somebody prepared that guy to let him know, like, <laughs> it's just not going to be your normal interview. Well, I would also think too, that there's been just so many bad things that have happened to that Buffalo franchise. They needed a little sunshine to come up there, brighten their day. Yeah, but the, I, hopefully the media will enjoy him. I mean, I, I, saw, I didn't. I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't really care to deal with Eric Stryker the first couple of years he was here, because he was so defensive. It was like you couldn't really ask him anything, and he thought everything was an accusation. And he was just. I just got to a point where I was like, "Dude, I'm done with this. I've, I've got better things to do." And then he, it actually turned for him. I think it took till this year to really turn to where he was like, yeah, he admitted it too. He was like, yeah, I used to be kind of mean and I kind of did take every question as an accusation and and uh, I'm not doing that anymore. So he actually got kind of cool by the time he got out of here. My, my favorite Eric Stryker story that uh, I'll tell now that he's not at OU anymore. Uh, we were back to when I worked at uh, Sooner Vision, we were doing a piece about uh, the Sugar Bowl and the final sack fumble. And Eric was going to break it down for us. And uh, we couldn't end up using the whole thing because as he was diagramming out the play, he would draw up in the stands. He drew frowny faces and he said, well, that's A.J. McCarron's girlfriend. That's A.J. <laughs> McCarron's mom. And they're really sad because I just sacked him. And I thought and that stuff like that, that is just he's having fun. He wasn't trying to be mean. He's just a fun guy. And the university wouldn't let you run it? No, they did not. <laughs> <laughs> That's not surprising. <laughs> they, I, I just looked up on uh, Stryker. He met with the media today to uh, to kick off their uh, rookie training camp up in Buffalo, and uh, I've I've seen ev- almost every person has said that they're 
unanimously they're pulling for uh, Eric to uh, make the team and to uh, have a good career up there. But I did see that he's already struck a chord with the uh, Buffalo media saying that uh, they asked him about uh, Buffalo wings. And he said that uh, he's had a chicken wing before. How much better could a Buffalo wing be? <laughs> and <laughs> so the, the headline now in uh, one of the Buffalo newspapers is uh, out of Overland Park. Buffalo Bills rookie Eric Stryker said the wrong thing about Buffalo wings. <laughs> Well, guys, let's get into uh, the other free agent signings. I know uh, Joe is a Broncos fan. He's uh, very happy to see a couple of Sooners uh, landing as free agents there. But uh, I I guess, Joe, you want to just run it down for everybody. Yeah, you already have uh, Eric Stryker. We've already talked about going to the Buffalo Bills, and Rex Ryan should be a pretty good fit for him. Uh, Yeah, Dominique Alexander just signed a deal with the Browns. then you have Frank Shannon and Duran Neal to my aforementioned Denver Broncos. Frank Shannon being reunited, by the way, with uh, Corey Nelson in Denver, uh, which should be cool for OU fans to see. And a- actually, there's an inside linebacker position open with Danny Trevathan gone that Corey Nelson might compete for. And who knows, Frank Shannon might get in that race as well. Uh, then you also have guys like Ty Darlington and Neela Kostatati are going to the Titans and Redskins, respectively. But now we're not exactly sure if those are locked in free agent undrafted free agent deals or if that's more like a rookie camp tryout yeah. situation uh but I, I believe that's it if, if i've missed somebody let me know uh dominic alexander cleveland cleveland or did you say him? i think i might have snuck that one in there but okay. it's all right to say it again because D- dom was a guy that we can talk about him first i think that's a guy that when he he left early so he's in that tony jefferson situation now right where that that cannot feel good that has to put something in your stomach to that no matter what you have now you have that chip on your shoulder so when you leave early and you don't get drafted i feel like dom i mean what more motivation can you need uh especially since it didn't it feel like to you all that he didn't have that much support coming from ou fans his way for his decision no i i think that that's a situation that i think people unless they truly understand maybe what was going behind closed doors with uh with dom i i I even question, you know, why would you come out if you if you weren't going to get drafted? I don't know if there were people in his ear saying that they felt like he was going to get drafted, uh, but I don't know. That's a tough situation to have to now go into because you're now kind of you're working pretty much uphill to make a team and to make a paycheck at the very least. And and I like your point there because that, that's just a human nature problem that we can all suffer sometimes is what are those around us telling us? Sometimes it's not the right thing. Sometimes it's just what we want to hear. You know, I remember when uh, Tony left for the draft early he was telling people that he was getting second third round grades and he went undrafted yeah and i know eric striker was thinking something similar and he went undrafted and so if you can imagine someone like eric striker and the career they had and where they thought they were going to get drafted and then they go undrafted that should, and then dominique alexander who was a big 12 uh, freshman a defensive freshman of the year had a you know 200 300 tackles he didn't get drafted either so that should be a wake-up sign to everybody to do do their due diligence make sure it's not that just those around you not just yes men telling you your draft status you got to get all opinions well i think for alexander people it, i think it's hard for people to understand because a lot of kids don't look at getting drafted as the the end goal they just look at Making they know team. they're going to get in a free agency contract uh they're going to get an opportunity to make it in the nfl if they don't make it so be it. They'll move on and do something else. But I, I, there's just a certain segment of kids you run into more and more each year that feel that way, and that's why you see the numbers increasing to what they are. Uh, it was a record year for underclassmen declaring this year. They'll probably be setting a record again from year, for years to come uh, with more and more kids coming out because they just they're just like okay, well, you know, if I'm I'm not gonna get drafted, I'll still be able to 
to have my chance at the NFL, and that's all some kids are looking for. But that chance will be there next year. And I, and I know what you're saying, Karen, you're exactly right, but to me, to those kids, I just have to feel like, unless you're a first, second round guy, you, you have an amazing opportunity to finish your career to get a college education, which on average can yield more than a million dollars for a person's life versus someone who doesn't get a college education. So finish that, get your degree, then go there. If, if you're going to be an undrafted free agent anyway, the second contract's likely not there anyway. So it doesn't matter if you're 21, 22 when you get the first one. You know, so, so to me, it's what, what value are you getting? Even monetarily, we don't have to talk about you know, the moral issues of it, but monetarily, to maximize your potential... The degree is still worth something, so maybe make sure you get that if you're not sure if you're going to be an early round pick. I don't know. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. I'm sorry. I would have jetted. <laughs> get out of school. Don't have to worry about it anymore. Don't have to worry about the, well, the day-to-day. The thing. They've got the deal now where you can come back to school and finish your degree. That's that's very true. easily, too. Yeah. JD did that, and that, that, that is a good program they have. But how many guys, I mean, it makes it that much harder, though, when you yeah. when you put that break in it to come back. I don't know. I mean, Tony Jefferson's don't grow on trees, right? I mean, most undrafted free agents don't yeah, get that second contract. That's the contract. one thing that I don't think that maybe people don't understand is people just, it's not normal what Tony Jeff or the way that he went no, about going into the no, league. Not at all. That doesn't happen for a lot of people. And he's really not secure as it stands right now. I mean, I mean is, he, is he still under contract with Arizona or did they re-sign him? Because I thought his he had deal re- was over. I think he signed a second contract. He did re-sign, but, but okay. It, I mean, you know, it's the NFL. Those things are aren't worth the paper they're written on but i mean he, you're right he's a, when you're an undrafted free agent even if you're tony jefferson and you do well and you make a statement if you remember the next year they drafted the first round safety out of washington state you're yeah. always fighting for your job if you're an undrafted free agent always and and if you don't think that that as long as the general manager is in place that signed that guy that first rounder that plays your position they want him to take your job yeah. because they want to look good so all right uh I think, you know, there's of all these guys that sign free agents contracts, I mean, I, I can't really sit here and say, Oh yeah, that guy's gonna make it. I mean, I think that tells you probably how, Striker, how hard it is strike, to make it. Striker's the guy that you think maybe. Because you, you know, with him you just have to, to to me it's just he needed a person. He didn't need a system, he didn't need a team, he needed one person to believe in him. And Rex Ryan is that guy. That's somebody who would believe in Eric Stryker. So if, if anybody's going to do it to me, that's the guy. And they snapped him up pretty fast. So That I mean, was his, like immediate after oh, yeah. the Yeah, yeah you could draft, tell as soon as the, the draft, draft ended that they'd... Yeah, I read that they called him five times immediately when the draft was over. Wow. All right. Well, uh, you know, there is one other football thing related, that, related thing that happened recently. Football related thing that happened recently. Uh, and that was uh, the mayor of Houston uh, caused a little bit of a stir especially in the OU world. Uh, Sylvester Turner is the guy's name. And I find this hilarious because it was a, a, a Q&A with UH Magazine. He's a, he's a University of Houston grad. And uh, they, were, they were basically, you know, doing the PR piece, which, you know, oh, we love the university. It's so great and this and that. And it ended up that uh, they started talking about athletics. And... Sylvester Turner decided to talk a little trash. But what I love about this is, you know, he was just like, oh, this is just the school magazine. Nobody's going to read this. <laughs> Not realizing, yeah, everything is online. And he didn't realize it's May 6th and people have nothing to talk about. Yes. Uh, so he said, here was the quote that he gave, UH Magazine. I'm sure he didn't think would get any further than boosters and alums for, for Houston. He said, quote, 
For the Cougars to start out the season against a powerhouse like Oklahoma speaks to how far the program has come. We'll win that one easily, then move on. In this first game, I think we'll win by 14 or possibly 21 points. Then we'll look for some stiffer competition. I love that. Can I just say, I don't understand why people get upset. If, if I'm that mayor, if I'm the mayor of Houston, I'm not affiliated with the team. I'm not on the team. I'm not a coach. I am not rushing the pass. Or I'm not throwing a single pass. I'm not catching anything. I am the mayor of Houston. So if somebody asks me that question, and my alma mater is the University of Houston, we're winning by 50. We're winning by 60. Sports are supposed to be fun. It, it might be cool, though, but, I mean, it, the game is being played in Houston. If it were like they were coming to Oklahoma, I don't think it'd be that big of a deal. But you're going to his city. He's hosting the game. He's also bragging in here about how they're going to fill up the stadium, which we all know they can't do that on their own. And it's going to be mostly OU fans. OU fans are going to be a C but, in that in, a, in NRG. So, but I, I don't. You, I kind of like that though. It's almost like it's, it's like that. Uh, to me, I, I like this kind of stuff. It's almost like professional wrestling, right? He's kind of amping up his side. He's getting the OU people riled up. And oh no, I think it's that, fantastic that's for awesome. us to talk I about. I love this stuff. And, I think it's stupid though. For not that he's affiliated with the team, but it, it's the coaches love that. If you think that that's not going to be hanging up in the the locker rooms all summer. Oh my gosh. They it'll probably take on a life of its own just the way that uh they inflate things through the media uh in the OU locker room usually. It will be well, They're known to maybe make something up every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, it'll it'll become well they were they said that they were coming down. It'll be Mayfield or somebody that says uh well I heard they were going to shut us out this year. <laughs> like what? I don't, I don't think anybody said that. I like how he says move on to bigger and better things too. Looking at their schedule right now, after Oklahoma's after the Oklahoma opener, it uh, they they welcome Lamar, and then at Cincinnati, at Texas State, UConn, at Navy, Tulsa. I mean, I don't know. I I hope he has a good weekend. Do, do we need to go run over to Lynn Miller's office, the mayor of Norman, and and see what she has to say about the situation? <laughs> I mean, let's do it. I. To, I, I get a rebuttal. The reason that I think I love this story because to, people are going to blow this out. Of, this is going to be a big deal. And I think that is just crazy and awesome. And I really think actually, you know what? I think we should go talk to Lynn Miller and get her prediction for the game four months from now and see what she says. And let's just get an old fashioned mayor fight going. If she wanted to be real badass, she'd say, I can't worry about college football right now with the Thunder playing. <laughs> Take a shot at the Rockets. Ooh, I like it. She couldn't do that, though, be the mayor of Norman. Yeah, that's probably true. Mick Cornette could do that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Uh, well, we'll uh, I'm sure that will be touched on as well as we as we move forward. But we had some bad news come out uh, yesterday. As, uh, Cole DeManyang uh, had been uh, charged with uh, aggravated assault, felony assault, uh, because he punched an offensive lineman. I don't know. The, the wisdom of this thing... Knows no bounds. First off, you're punching people. Second off, it's a six foot five, three hundred pound dude that you're punching. So Tyler Evans, former Oklahoma offensive lineman, one of my favorite dudes of all time. Uh, we called him. Uh, I remember I did an interview one time with him. I think it was Lane Johnson was was the one that told me this that uh, they called him. Uh, who's the guy in the Goonies? The Baby Ruth guy. 
Chunk. Oh, no, not Chunk. Chunk. Yeah, Chunk. Yeah. Or Chunk was Chunk. Chunk was the, the kid. kid. Yeah. What was Somebody was Chunk. Oh, I feel they so They had a bad. duo. Like, Lane Johnson said that one guy was Chunk and the other was... Uh, the guy with the Superman shirt. The one eye, right? I, I it's not Lurch. It's... Uh, uh, sloth. Sloth. Yeah. Chunk and Sloth. And so we had this... We had this discussion of who would be Chunk and who would be Sloth, and Lane Johnson got that guy, but it was it was hilarious, and they were fantastic. Uh, but he was always great. He was so he laughs all the time. Yeah. I mean, he laughed. I'll say I've got a Newsnight interview that I chopped up a little bit, and, and he's talking about getting punched, and he's like trying to turn it funny, and he's laughing as he's talking. As he's laughing, he's missing his two front teeth because a cold man Yang knocked him out. Uh, but here is Tyler Evans being interviewed by uh, uh, Adriana Ivashinsky from uh, Channel 9, uh, KWTV here in Oklahoma City. He's getting handsy, told him to back off a few times. He kept on coming back. I got a seven-foot dunk on my face. <laughs> I didn't know my teeth were knocked out. I took a few steps, uh, pulled my teeth out, and I just pulled my permanent retainer out too. I was just like, <laughs> yes, good guys finish last. <laughs> He was trying to, I guess, defend some women that uh, Man Yang was being a little too aggressive with. And and this was after hours, so this is everybody trying to leave Campus Corner, which is yeah. always when the bad stuff happens. It can be a, it can be a violent place down there at 2 a.m. But Joe uh, Man Yang, uh, OU Basketball, released a statement uh, about his status as well. Yeah, he's uh, suspended indefinitely from the team. Uh, that is per an OU release. Um this is just me from my own reporting. I do not expect him to be back on the team. Uh, I don't think that will happen. I think Cole Demandyang's days in, uh, as an Oklahoma Sooner are done. Uh, and you, this incident, you know, that the, the Tyler Evans is hilarious, by the way. But that, that incident, uh, it, it, might, it might not be, you know, th- there might be other things behind the scene. That this is, if you think that this is the sole reason and that OU's being whatever you want to call it, um, that that might not be the case. I wouldn't rush to any judgments here about what, what's going on. And what an odd ending to a uh, to a career that really just never got started. I mean, well, I think that it's so tragic. I mean, his brother just died. Um, you know, it's it's just he misses God, the wait. entire NCAA tournament run because of it. It it it's been a rough two three months, I guess, for a cold man Yang. And I definitely don't think that he on the court was the guy that they thought he was going to be when they brought him in. Uh, from Indian Hills. Yeah, from an on-the-court perspective, I mean, by the end of the year, it, it, it was pretty clear that Jamani McNeese had seized that opportunity yeah. to, to jump him on the depth chart. So next year, I, he wasn't going to be a starter anyway. He was going to be uh, looking behind Latin and uh, and McNeese and stuff. But it's, it's still... You felt like when he signed that he was going to be a real piece for this team. He didn't feel like, you know, one of those Oleg rest off from the 90s, just a, a, a you know, a seven-footer just to put on the bench and look good in warm-ups. He looked like he was going to even be better than his cousin. Oleg Long. didn't look good in, in uh, warm-ups. That's true. <laughs> Oleg looked good when he was getting the chant. Uh, but beside the point, he's he's somebody that you felt like was... He, you get a seven footer with that kind of athleticism, and then it just never materializes. He doesn't. He doesn't quite seize the role that he needs to. And then you well, have this it, off the field stuff and his brother. It just. It's I mean, even the, the discipline from what I'd heard. I'm sure you guys had heard the same thing. The discipline uh, on the court was not there either because they would go over things with him in practice all the time. We need you to play like this. He'd get into the game. And he'd just start shooting, and it's just like you can't. And they'd have to yank him, and you cannot play. If that's all you're gonna do, so very James Harden of him. Oh, yeah, he, <laughs> at least James Harden could play. Yeah, that's true. At least he can make <laughs> some shots outside. 
So it's a yeah, it's unfortunate if he never uh, never takes another step on a on a court for Oklahoma. Uh, probably, well, in the Lon Kruger era, that would be the biggest knucklehead of his oh, yeah. tenure. I I think I was yeah. trying to think about it after they released the uh, statement suspending him. Other than maybe. I guess maybe quote unquote Nick Thompson. I think somebody had tweeted to me. I think he got suspended for a couple games. Mm-hmm. This is the first major suspension in Kruger's five six this years, is, and this is really yeah. the first uh, real knuckle headed play or behavior by anybody since the Jeff Capel days. I mean, yeah, that is not an accident. Uh, Long Kruger, when he goes th- through the recruiting process, is very very different than a lot of other Division One basketball coaches. He makes sure. And I, I'm not saying this as an OU reporter, I promise. I'm saying this as, as someone who knows the process. He does not does not offer risks. He does If you are have a red flag, he doesn't want it. He, if you don't have the attitude to fit in on or off the court, he doesn't want it. If you have your hand out, he especially doesn't want it. So they just offered the number one player in the country for 2017 just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, just after they vetted him. Right. They, it's, it literally, that's a great way to put it. It's, it's almost like a VP process. They vet him. They vet their players before they offer him to make sure that they don't, they don't have these kind of troubles. And, and off the top of my head, the only other person I can think of that even had troubles in their career down the line was Jalon Hornbeek after he transferred to Monmouth. Yeah, he got in trouble. He got he? in trouble there. But but that was that was it. I mean, I, I, that, that this is... Man Yang is the big knucklehead of the Kruger era so far. I guess there there is one other arrest, and it may be, be one of my favorite, I guess favorite, I don't know if you can say that, but it's one of my favorite arrests of the, uh, maybe in the history of Oklahoma athletics was Isaiah Cousins running from the police. That's true, uh, I forgot after, about after that. At Sugars, wasn't it? Or in between Sugars yeah. and Fuzzies. Yeah, dove and into a bush. That's That's just college, I think. Who hasn't That's a done guy that? that knows that Lon Kruger doesn't want anybody getting in trouble. <laughs> no comment. So awesome. <laughs> I were my, you were you hiding in the bush with him, Joe? Not on that particular night, but my house may be between uh, uh, my house may be within walking distance of Campus Corner, and I may have uh, taken a few detours on my way home before. Who hasn't? Right. You know, it's part of the part of the college experience. Sure. All right. Uh, last thing, we're running out of time here. Last thing, let's hit on uh, the coaching moves uh, made by Lon Kruger, new hire uh, Joe. Um, I know, uh, you know, a guy that really was kind of a name I hadn't really seen mentioned a whole lot, uh, but it, I think it was Goodman, and then uh, maybe the first to release it. But uh, obviously, Kevin Kruger, uh, a guy that was brought in to uh, to replace the departing. Uh, coaches uh, Lou Hill and uh, uh, Steve Henson. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kevin Kruger, obviously the son of uh, Lon Kruger, uh, comes in. Uh, he's a very familiar with that situation. He was a graduate assistant there before. Uh, I mean, it's his dad, obviously. What more do I need to say? Uh, he went to Northern Arizona, um, had some coaching experience there before coming back. I know some people worry about, you know, nepotism. I, nepotism. He's just hiring his son. Those people can just, I don't know. He, Tell him to shove it, Joe. Shove it. Just shove it. I mean, he, he it's his son. He, he People love him in that building. Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. I'm sorry? What did You're you just say? You're just coming off stupid. We're here to mess stuff up. So, uh, he, I mean, Kevin Kruger is someone who people like in that building. People are, are talking him up. Uh, he knows the system. Cute kids. He's, 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 he, even he's adorable. Come on. So, it, it'll, be, it'll be nice to have the whole Kruger family there. They think his young energy can bring something to the recruiting trail, which they'll need, because losing Lou Hill is a big deal. Lou Hill was great out on the recruiting trail, and so was Steve Henson. Let's not cut him short. They were both great at, at, on the recruiting trail. So, Long Kruger and Ke- uh, Kevin Kruger, excuse me, that's going to happen a lot. 
Uh, we'll have the work cut out. And they just got Carlin Hartman from Rice. Uh, that was a name a little off the radar. I didn't I didn't hear that one coming. Uh, I'd heard Hollis Price from the Houston area was a possibility. Uh, but they went with uh, Carlin Hartman. And to be honest, I don't know a whole lot yet about Hartman. But uh, this is another person that they think really, really, really want to focus on the recruiting trail and making sure that they can identify people that work with their system. So uh, Joe's message for all those with nepotism out there. Damn it, people. Go back to your shanties. <laughs> Find something else to complain about. I would I would trust Long Kruger hiring anybody. Name the baddest person in the world. I would trust him if like he, he could if, turn him around. Yeah, he could sign up Hitler, and he I'd be like, okay. I'd be like, well, I mean, I, I don't I think, think he would get through the I think, uh, regents. I think Lon knows what he's doing, though. I mean, he could maybe come in and just be a ball guy. No, but I, I, I just trust Long Kruger enough with this program and what he's done in the last six years that he could hire literally yeah, anybody. That's a great point. What what nerve do Oklahoma basketball fans have? You know, that, you, you, no one goes to games for five years. The place is empty. You know, you're on probation. You're losing 20-plus games a year. Long Kruger comes in, brings in a stable program you can be proud of. Students are filling the seats. There's energy. You're in the Final Four. You have a National Player of the Year winner. Oh, but he hired his son. That's nepotism. Yeah, just, I mean, just come on. I don't understand it. I think I think the program's fine, people. Yeah, the program's going to be fine. It will be interesting though to see. Uh, just I guess interact with him. I I don't really know what to expect with uh, Kevin Kruger. I remember cheering for Kevin Kruger and uh, UNLV when they went on that Sweet Sixteen run. I think yeah, I was a yeah. sophomore in college, maybe. And he was a good player for them say. too. Yeah, he, he oh, he he kind of carried them there. Yeah. I think in the second round game, I just remember, I distinctly remember watching that game, and that's always kind of been my. Uh, I remember he did come from good genes. Yeah, I mean, Lon oh, yeah. was a player, man. I f- I forget how good he was. Did you see? Were you there when Lon threw out the baseball this year? Uh, I mean, he still I've can seen hum him. It. He's he got can got, still hum it. He's got good form too. Still, yeah. There's something about throwing a baseball where it always outs you. People that throw a baseball, we can see right away whether or not you can. I think you can whether kind of, you're an athlete or not. Yeah, you can kind of fake shooting a basketball. I don't know. Have you, did you see Mason Rudolph? Throw yeah, the, Mason uh, Rudolph was pretty bad. No. He can throw football though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, it's been a little bit longer, but uh, hey, hopefully you'll be entertained throughout. If you're on a treadmill, driving to work, on your commute, whatever. Uh, we are working feverishly uh, to get everything put up through iTunes. I've done a lot of research on that kind of stuff this week, so. Uh, we will be having things available on iTunes, so you can download it. Uh, you can download it through SoundCloud, and uh, we will make sure to get all those links to you and let you guys know uh, when the next evolution of the podcast, including a name, comes about. Uh, but want to thank Eddie Radosevich, as always, for uh, being a part of the show. Yep. Joe Duvall doing a great job uh, as well. I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next time here on the SoonerScoop.com podcast.